We may never speak this out loud, but we do wonder, does God even care when we get hurt by others? God isn't cold to our suffering. God is suffering with us. He sympathizes with our pain. Welcome to Unshaken Today. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and I'm really glad that you're joining me. Today's episode is episode 159, and the title is Purposing to Heal. Have you ever been hurt by someone? My guess is your answer is yes, because the reality is relationships are hard. People hurt us, and well, we can hurt people too. Our natural response in these times typically leads to more of the same hurt. But thankfully, this does not have to be our story. Listen today as we learn about how we can abound in forgiveness and humility as we seek God and His Word during times of tension with those around us. It's so practical. It's so profound. And honestly, it's so needed in our world. Let's listen in as Rochelle Mickle walks us through how you and I can purpose to heal. It's been a whole year since I was supposed to do this talk for you ladies, and a lot has changed. A lot has happened this year that has caused strife, pain, heartache, anger, resentment, and division. Best friends are fighting over whether we should or shouldn't wear masks. Family members not speaking with one another because of political differences. This year, if anything, has revealed our sin to us in greater measure. But these sins have been here and growing for a while. We just needed the right circumstances to bring out what was hidden and ignored. It's been like a wildfire. We had a drought and COVID came along as a little spark and ignited our dry ground. More than ever, we need healing. Healing from the hurt of the sins of others and healing from our own bitterness. Our human relationships can be so hard and filled with strife because of sin. Our relationships are a reflection of our our relationship with God. Before Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, there was perfect unity between God and man and between each other. But now, because sin has entered the world and into each one of us, we hurt each other. We're selfish and self-seeking. Instead of loving one another, we hate. Instead of desiring good, we are jealous and envious. The truth is, is that we will hurt each other in our relationships. I will hurt you, and you will hurt me, and that causes us pain. And this may seem surprising to you, but there is a sense where that pain is a good thing. The greatest threat to someone who is paralyzed or has lost some feeling in a part of their body is not knowing something is wrong or injured. God has made our bodies in such a way that when something is wrong or not a part of the body is not functioning properly, that part of the body sends signals to the brain which cause pain so that we can fix our attention to the problem. A friend years ago that I had who was paralyzed from the waist down, and every night before she went to bed, she had to have her legs thoroughly inspected for any kinds of cuts or injury, because if she had hit her leg on something and cut it, she would never know, 
and the cut could become infected. It was one of her greatest dangers. In the same way, we know that sin is destructive and harmful because it hurts. The pain is real because there is a real problem. The hurt that happens because of our own sin and the sin of others tells us something is wrong and we are in need of healing. There are many types of offenses that we deal with in this world. We've all been there where we've looked too much into the words of a friend and were offended only to find out that they didn't mean to hurt us at all. But people really do sin against us as well. Some offenses are small and easy to forgive, while others are enormous and threaten to undo us by causing heartache and trauma that feels like we will never be able to get rid of the pain. There was a time this year where I myself was crying out to God, who can save me from this world of sin and death as the weight of sin crushed me? Seeing the sin of those I love and the heart-wrenching effect it has, not only me because they've sinned against me, but the effect that it has on the person who sinned. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. He is our only salvation. He is our healer. Because of this, we're going to be looking into the Bible, God's word to see, to learn three ways we can be purposeful in healing. We will see how God gives us healing from the pain. We will see how God provides a way out of bitterness. And we will see how we can also offer hope to those who are hurting around us. Today we're going to be looking at Romans 8 as our foundation for this talk. The first 17 verses compare and contrast walking in the flesh, which is the way of sin, and walking in the spirit, which is the way of holiness. We can choose to deal with the sin of others in our flesh, or we can choose to deal with the sin of others and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We will find true healing on the path of the spirit. So what does it look like to walk in the flesh? And what does it look like to walk in the Spirit? In another book of the Bible, the letter to the Galatians, we see very useful lists. The first list is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this fruit is seen in us when we are living according to the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The other list is the works of the flesh, and that list is just as important to know. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. We can examine ourselves first by looking at these lists. Are we walking by the Spirit or by our flesh? The fruit of the Spirit is evidence that we belong to God because if we are bearing fruit of the Spirit, then we have the Holy Spirit in us. The lists of the works of the flesh are what we all naturally bear because of our sin nature. 
They are who we are apart from the work of the Spirit in us. The list of the works of the flesh are warning signs to us. If we only bear works of the flesh, then we will not inherit the kingdom of God. They are proof that we do not have the Holy Spirit and aren't actually Christ. We can also use these lists to help us deal with the sins of others. We can ask ourselves the question, am I reacting to this sin in the flesh or in the spirit? For example, if my kids are fighting, I can easily ignore it and not deal with it. Well, until they start to annoy me. And then I react in my flesh and in frustration and anger. When I do this, I'm walking in the flesh. But if I pray and I ask for patience and for wisdom, then I can deal with my son's bad attitude with the fruit of the Spirit. And this usually leads to a more peaceful day. If we are reacting in our flesh, we won't find healing. We'll only be adding more sin to a sinful situation. True healing is only found in the Spirit of God. So let's look at our first point. When we are hurting, how do we find healing from the pain? We can find healing by having hope, by seeing the purpose in the pain, and through loving those who have hurt us. If you are here today and you are hurting, I want you to know that you can have hope. Our hope is in God. He has revealed himself to us in the Bible. He is sovereign, fully in control of all things and all circumstances. He is good and compassionate. He is our Father. He cares and He loves us. We can have hope because of the gospel. The gospel means good news. And this good news is that Jesus Christ gives us salvation and redemption from sin if we trust in Him. If we've been hurt by someone who is a believer, we can have hope in God to cover their sins as well as our own. But even if our offender is not a believer, we can have hope that God can bring them to repentance and forgiveness and cleansing. If you are here today and you are hurting, I want you to know that there is a purpose in it. Even though we still live in a sin-filled world, we can know that God has a perfect purpose in our suffering. In fact, he uses our suffering for our good. If you have your Bibles, open them to Romans 8 so we can dig in, and we'll start at verse 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we just read, if God is for us, who can be against us? But then the passage goes on to say the number of ways that people will be against us. We will be hated. We will face trials and persecutions. So let's put some of our sufferings in that list so we can see how it applies to us. Maybe we have faced mockery, slander, rejection, or rape. Maybe we have faced the betrayal of a spouse or a parent. Or some of our children may even have become prodigal and rejected us. We will suffer, but God is for us, and He has a purpose in our suffering. He is in full control, allowing all of these things to conform us into His image. We are conformed into the image of His Son through suffering. The Bible tells us that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So in the, the scripture passage that I just read from Romans 8, God calls us conquerors. And a conqueror walks in the Spirit and will bear fruit of the Spirit. A conqueror will love and be peaceful, joyful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. Love doesn't envy or boast or seek its own way. It isn't easily offended or resentful or keep records of wrong. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. God is working all these things for our good because through them, we are becoming more like him. If God did not spare his son, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? No one and nothing, not even our deepest sufferings, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is why we are more than conquerors. And if we are conquerors, then there isn't any suffering that we can't find hope in. Now, the Bible talks a lot about people sinning against each other. 
Have you read about the girl Tamar, who was raped by her half-brother Amnon? Their father, King David, didn't do anything about it. So her other brother, Absalom, took vengeance and murdered the one who raped his sister. Then because Absalom was so bitter for his father's neglecting to bring justice, he tried to steal the kingdom away from King David. In just this one sequence of events, there are so many sins, and the consequences are heart-wrenching. Now, God doesn't try to hide how sinful man is, even those who love him. Sin is supposed to be dealt with, not hidden and pushed under a rug. God in his word has set up ways of getting justice. Because God is a God of justice, he doesn't just wink at sin. All sin will be dealt with. Either the sin was poured out on Jesus on the cross so that the penalty could be paid for, or the offender will pay the penalty in hell. God in his word has set up ways of getting justice on here on earth as well. We are to seek justice, but not vengeance. Scripture tells us to never avenge ourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God has shown us how he wants us to deal with those who have offended us. He tells us that if our enemy is in need, we are to help them. If they are hungry, give them something to eat. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. God tells us to overcome evil with good, to seek to love those who have hurt us. So get justice, but get it in a godly way. Now, when we are dealing with the more serious sins, we are in all the more need of help. Bring it to someone and get help. God has provided within the church shepherds to help us through these times. Go to one of your pastors or elders. If you're scared, go to one of their wives first. They can be a shoulder to lean on. And can I add that they have heard it all. There is no need for you to be intimidated. God has provided you this help and this covering. If the sin you are suffering under is serious enough to bring law enforcement into the situation, then do that. God has given these authorities as a means of getting justice. God has set up these authorities to carry out judgment on your behalf. Because remember, God is a God of justice. Now, there are many offenses which we can overlook the offense and cover it with love. For instance, if your friend asks you for advice and then does the exact opposite, you can choose to say, well, it is annoying, but not sin. So I can swallow my pride and love my friend. But what if these small offenses turn into a pattern? This is no longer a one-time thing, but a common occurrence that has to be addressed. Well, then address it. We are to help one another to grow in holiness. If you have a friend who is sinning against you in small or big ways, then bring it to them. The Bible gives us clear instructions on how to deal with the sins of our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Matthew 18, 15 says, If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, then you have gained your brother. If you cannot overlook the offenses and you are in your heart getting offended by everything your friend does, oftentimes this is because you actually haven't overlooked the offense. You just buried it. You have held on to the hurt and have hardened your heart and are no, no longer loving your friend. Remember, love does not keep records of wrong. If your offender is an unbeliever, remember the hope that I'm trying to convince you of is not for them. They have no hope yet. They are still dead in trespasses and sins. All the more reason for you to pray for them. The promises of Romans 8 are for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we see the purpose in our pain as we heal through God's work in us. He gives us hope. He gives us a purpose in the suffering. And he shows us how we can love others when we're hurt. Our next point today is how can we deal with this bitterness problem? Our first reaction to being sinned against is often to sin and return and walk in our flesh. Remember the list of the works of the flesh? Are we reacting to being sinned against with en enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, or envy? So in our road to healing, we have to look at our own hearts and fight our own sin. I'm going to confess that I have been here and not too long ago. I was at church and saw a friend who had offended me. They were worshiping God and rejoicing in God's salvation and forgiveness, and I found myself mad and bitter. For a moment before the Spirit convicted me, I didn't want them to be forgiven. I didn't want them to have peace and freedom. Bitterness was trying to get a foothold on my heart. It's definitely a root that keeps trying to grow back, and I have to hack at it often. But I had to get to this point where I saw the ugliness of my own sin toward my offender before I could find true healing from the hurt. When you find yourself dealing with the sin of others, let this be your first prayer. Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lord, help me to see my own sin. Help me to repent so that I can forgive and that I can desire for them to be forgiven and for them to repent. Now, what is bitterness? The dictionary says that it is extreme enmity. It is a grudge or hatred, a deep-seated ill will. Some of the related words are feud, vendetta, hate, hatred, estrangement, coldness, malice, and spite. Do you see the works of the flesh in that definition? Bitterness is the opposite of biblical love, and that's why God tells us to get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness is a sinful anger that we have allowed to take root. We fed it and watered it and encouraged it to grow into a full-grown weed. 
But how does bitterness take root? We plant the seed by playing the situation over and over in our heads. We nurture it by stewing on it, remembering every detail, examining every word or look. We justify and defend our bitterness because we want to hold on to it. And when it is in full bloom, we begin to take pleasure in it. Now, anger isn't always sinful. God is angry with sin all the time. A good test of righteous anger is, is your anger because this person has sinned against God? Then that's a good anger. Are you angry because they sinned against you? Then that is a good anger as well. Are you angry because they are taking the grace of God for granted? Good anger. But even in our righteous anger, there is always sin mixed in. We are not God. We do not have pure and righteous anger. It is when you start to be vengeful, self-righteous, your heart begins to get hard, and you desire your offender to not have peace and forgiveness. Or you desire them to feel just how badly you feel. Then this is when you yourself are sinning. You do things, say things, so that they can see how much they've hurt you. Do you bring up the hurt or the offense every time you talk to them, or any time they bring up one of your sins? When we stop loving and desiring their good, then we ourselves are sinning, and we will have to fight our own sin before we can get to a place of healing. Do you see how much getting to a place of healing requires fighting our own sin? This isn't easy, ladies, but we do have the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin and help us to love those who have offended us. When we are are hurt, we go into instant self-protection mode. But God is our hiding place. He is our protector and vindicator, and He will make all things right. Have you ever noticed yourself needing to tell people your offenses just so you can get others to agree with you that you are justified in your anger? I know I've done this a lot. So you notice a sin or you've been sinned against, so you get advice from 10 different people and you feel better and all the more empowered to walk in your flesh. But you are now walking on very dangerous ground. Remember my friend who needed to thoroughly inspect her legs for cuts? Infection of a cut she did not feel was her greatest danger. It is the same way with us. If we are ignoring the Holy Spirit, His conviction, or maybe we aren't feeling conviction at all, then we are in danger. And we are proving ourselves to be those who walk by the flesh and are condemned. Romans 8 says the person whose mind is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. They are controlled by the flesh because they cannot please God. They do not have the spirit of God and they do not belong to him. God has given us the solution to this bitterness problem. The Bible gives us a great way out of bitterness. Jesus tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
Now I'm going to read some lyrics to a song called Pray. It's from one of my family's favorite Christian rappers named Ishan Burgundy. Stepping out of my prayer closet empty, I was lifting up everyone that's against me. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And that commission ain't missing because I'm feeling offended. In my feelings, in touch with my inner villain, he's into killing. That's why I'm kneeling, trying to penetrate the ceiling for a healing. I'm unwilling. That's why he gave me the Holy Ghost. So in this song, Ishan is praying for his enemies. We are commanded by God to love, pray for, bless, and even serve our enemies. Ishan says that the command to pray for them isn't softened or removed because we are hurt. Actually, we must pray all the more fervently because we don't want to love and forgive. He says he feels his inner villain. Don't you feel like that when you are really hurt and angry? Don't you feel like a murderer? So he says, that is why I am praying. I feel my own sinfulness, my own unwillingness to love. So we pray, asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to give us his power to love and forgive. Jesus said, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Tough statement, but so true. Our forgiveness doesn't gain our forgiveness from God. But our forgiveness of others proves that we ourselves are forgiven. How can I rejoice that God has forgiven me and still withhold that same forgiveness to others? Do you pray for the ones who have hurt you? Do you pray for their repentance? Do you pray that they grow in love for, for God or maybe even come to know God? Do you desire them to be forgiven and healed themselves of the effect and power of sin? When we are bitter or unforgiving, we are not living as someone who is themselves forgiven. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are affected by the sins of others, but those sins are not our identity. Our identity is found in Jesus. So maybe you have been living in bitterness for a long time. Maybe it's because you view yourself that way. Maybe you view yourself as a victim who has no hope. But Christians are more than conquerors through Jesus. The sins of others often have consequences that are hard to overcome. But through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we can be free of the burden. Don't let the sin of another cause you to feel shame or helpless. In the Bible, in the book of James, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So let the trial have its perfect effect on you, 
so you may be perfect and complete. Get the help that you need from believers. Let us help you bear the burden and help you find healing. Talk to someone. Don't just keep things in and brewing until you explode. But don't just vent and talk about it. Be purposeful to get to a place of healing and forgiveness. We take all of our hurts, all of our offenses, and all of our pains to God in prayer, and we leave them there in His arms. In the book, The Divine Art of Contentment, Thomas Watson says, It is our work to cast care, and it is God's work to take care. So we see that God gives us a way out of bitterness through His Word. If we love Him, we need to obey Him and trust that He will take care of everything. So we've seen that God brings healing to our pain through hope through seeing that there is a purpose in it, and through loving those who have hurt us. We also find healing by dealing with our own sin and getting rid of this bitterness. Finally, as we purpose to heal ourselves, how can we help others to find healing too? Being sinned against is a universal problem. Yes, some have been hurt worse than others, but all believers can help others find healing. All we need is the Bible and the Spirit of God to help us, give us eyes to see, and compassion to love our friends who are hurting. The Bible never scoffs at our pain. It never says the pain isn't real. Just reading the Psalms is a great place to see this. The Psalms are full of praise and worship of God, but they're also of prayer. It's a book where godly men are hurting for many different reasons and crying out to God for deliverance, for peace, for joy. They are saying, help, Lord. We have a God who hears, who sees, and who cares. We've been memorizing Psalm 103 this year as a church, and it has been true food for my soul. It has been good medicine to my bitterness and anger and fear. It has helped me to see those who have hurt me through the eyes of God. This psalm talks a lot about compassion of God. And this led me to really think about compassion and what it really means. I looked it up in the dictionary. And so the 1828 Webster's Dictionary says that compassion is a mixed suffering. It is a mixed passion, a compound of love and sorrow. It is a suffering with one another. It is painful sympathy. It is pity. So in this definition, do you notice that compassion always has to do with suffering? Always. God isn't cold to our suffering. God is suffering with us. He sympathizes with our pain. Compassion is a compound of love and sorrow towards someone who is hurting. Have compassion on those who are hurting around you. Ask questions and listen. I know this is a hard task. It is emotionally and spiritually draining at times. In my Bible study this year, a young lady was crying and saying how she was just in this pit that she could not get out of. We all sympathized with her. 
because we've all been there where we needed rescuing. We sympathized with her because we love her. Psalm 103.4 says that God redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. We cried with her and we threw down a rope to help get her out of the pit. We didn't scoff at her and say, stop acting like a victim, get out of the pit while we kicked dirt in her face. We offered the rope of God's word. So sure, maybe your friend is acting like a victim and maybe they are bitter, but is there no hope for them? There is a huge sense where we have lost compassion for one another. We judge with wrong motives. Instead of showing mercy, we condemn. We are to treat others as those who them have themselves been forgiven and shown mercy. The book of James ends with, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Do this for your friends who are wandering into bitterness. I've already admitted that a couple of months ago, I was fighting bitterness toward a friend, but I also had a close friend to help me, a friend who listened to my hurt and cried and prayed with me. They didn't say the hurt wasn't wasn't real, that I just needed to get over it, that I was making too much of it. They guided me through the pain and they encouraged me to keep fighting and not give up. But my friend also corrected me when I was in sin or when I wasn't thinking biblically. Because a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So I hope today that you have heard how to find healing, how to be free from all bitterness, and how you can help others too. So purpose to heal purpose to be free of all bitterness, and purpose to help others find healing. We aren't going to be free from sin or sinners until we die or Jesus returns. And Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is our hope. He walked this earth and lived among sinners. Jesus was mocked, slandered, betrayed, lied to, used, spit on, beaten, shamed, crucified, and killed. Jesus knew the Father's plan, and he joyfully submitted to it. Jesus was selfless and fully desired to put to please the Father. Jesus died at the hands of man for a crime that he didn't commit because it was the will of the Father. The greatest suffering the world has ever seen was put upon the Son of God, and it was good, so that the wrath of God that we deserve could be satisfied, all of our sins debt paid for in full. Jesus did this because he loves his Father and is loved by the Father. Jesus paid the price so that we could be forgiven. How can we withhold forgiveness, mercy, patience, and long-suffering to our fellow sinners when Jesus did all this for us? God gives us hard things so that we will be more like Him. And aren't we most like Him when we forgive our fellow sinners? Jesus conquered sin, 
and death for you and for the one that you may be having trouble giving grace to. We are conquerors because Jesus won the battle for us, and he has fully equipped us to fight. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us. So let us throw off the works of the flesh and let us walk in the Spirit and obey God and get rid of bitterness. In all of our sufferings, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. In Jesus alone, we find true healing. Wow. I'm not even sure what to say, but wow. As I said at the beginning of the episode today, every single woman listening has struggled with some sort of a relationship that has been broken. Maybe with a church member, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, and sometimes these relationships get really messy. I am so very thankful for Rochelle's call to us to go back to God's word each time and to fight our flesh that wants us to stay in bitterness and anger and hurt and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to fight our flesh and to live in the spirit through these difficult relationships. I know that I personally needed to hear this talk today, so I'm guessing that many of you did too. Hey, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you today for Rochelle's honest and real conversation about hurt. Lord, I pray that you would give wisdom to each woman listening in the area of her hurt. I thank you that you are not a God who is bound by time, and we know that you have a plan, even in our hurt, to grow us. And I pray that you would help us to grow and to seek you and to love you through honoring you by honoring our family, friends, and loved ones and forgiving them. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And it's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbit. A tiny tidbit is a small, tiny piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's Tiny Tidbit is brought to you by Samantha Moore. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Julie. Do you go by Samantha? Either Samantha or Sam. Okay. Have you ever been Sammy? I absolutely have. You have? (laughs) Is that a common thing now? No, very rare. Okay, Um, that was when you were a kid. My nephew still calls me Aunt Sammy, and um, my brother did. Okay, I love it. And then I've had... um, a boss one time call you Sammy. was a father type oh okay and called me Sammy okay yeah. that's very sweet okay so we are doing our tiny tidbits today so what is your tiny tidbit today um attending a new church Ooh, have you done this recently yeah okay <laughs> I'm looking forward to this this is good okay so um connect Honestly, connecting in a new church can be a bit intimidating and overwhelming. Yeah. (laughs) Even when you know people that attend, honestly. Yeah. Um, I made the decision to be intentional and signed up for as many groups that my schedule permitted. Um, The groups that I signed up for included a women's Bible study. um, Nice. The Mom to Mom, which is our monthly moms group. Um, And our family also immediately signed up for informational classes about the church, which I highly recommend. Mm. Um, We also signed up for Bible studies and started attending Sunday morning classes. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And so when you signed up for all these, was it intimidating to go into them? No, I think I was, had made up my mind to be intentional. Nice. And do it, Just whether do it. I felt like I wanted to or whatever the feelings were. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Um, yeah, we also signed up for um, 
family Bible studies. Nice. Okay, that was an um, excellent way to get to know the church leadership and others in the mm-hmm. church. Uh, also taking advantage of serving opportunities. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've really found that serving along others um, in the church has provided a wonderful opportunity for growth within our fellowship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've also set um, personal goals to speak with women before service, which is a huge thing for me. Ooh, that's yes. a great one. And I have a couple of friends holding me accountable and okay. also encouraging me. In how that. are they? How are they holding you accountable for that? Like, are they watching you across yeah. the, the thing and yes, saying you're honestly. not talking to anybody? <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, it was something I felt I was very convicted about. Okay, just um, having conversations with people I was comfortable with and I knew that I needed to branch out and get to know other women in the church so I had some friends that had observed and I went to and confessed and said this is an area I'm struggling with I would love for you to hold me accountable in this and so if they observe me speaking with people I normally wouldn't they'll come over and say hey yep Yep. I see I saw you're doing that you know praise God so and have you met a lot of new people that you like I have, yeah. Well, people are. I've I've found personally that we can have ideas about people just wanting to stay with their oh, group. Yep. But that's really untrue if you're intentional to start building relationships. Yep. yep. And coming into a new church, that is such an important part. And I want to say from the other side, it is important as a person who has already been at the church to look for those people who are new. Correct. And include them in your conversations and go up and talk to them. I mean, there's, there's, this is a two-sided thing. For sure. Yeah. But a really great tiny tidbit that everyone should be doing this Sunday. Yeah. Wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Or find, whenever. Find an accountability partner. Yeah. yeah. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you. Thank that's you. a great one. That's a great application. I love it. Thank you so much. out to me at unshakenpsalms622 at gmail.com if you ever want to email me and share some ideas for a podcast or give me some feedback on something that you listen to. Also, you can follow us on our social medias at Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Look up Women of the Word CTW to find us and we'd love to have you like us or follow us. Um, So excited to share more content with you on those platforms. And finally, you can find this podcast really anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, But if you do, head over to your favorite platform. I would love it if you'd give us a review and maybe even um, like it and subscribe. That really helps us out. Um, I hope that you you can do that today. Hey, remember when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.